physics world. This noise will be familiar to anyone visiting the ISIS Neutron and Muon Centre in Oxfordshire, UK. The constant background hum of vacuum pumps. Having produced its first neutrons in 1984, ISIS is Europe's only source of pulsed neutrons. With more than 360 staff, the facility has over 20 instruments that are used by scientists to study materials ranging from high temperature superconductors to understanding how stars and planets form. ISIS has run for over 30 years, and in that time there have been some 10,000 research papers based on work carried out at the facility. I'm Michael Banks, news editor for Physics World, and I recently travelled to ISIS to see how scientists are using neutrons for the research. I also caught a glimpse of a suite of new instruments that ISIS has just opened at the facility's second target station, which opened in 2008, and recently the facility completed the construction of 11 of those instruments, just seven short of full capacity. My tour of ISIS was given by Chris Frost, who was industry liaison manager and an instrument scientist. We're the only, we're the only pulse relation neutral source in the world that currently running two target stations. Um, so what we did there was to anticipate the needs of the scientific community over the next 20 or 30 years. So when you started ISIS you were probably thinking about doing magnetic systems and, and um, diffraction. Now we cover pretty much anything. Right. You know, if, if, you go, if you go anywhere and, and, um, and look at it, almost any bit of material in any industry or any science lab, somebody probably has looked at that or something related to it with neutrons. Mm. There's no area now that neutrons aren't really looking at, yeah. which probably wasn't the thinking 20, 30 years ago. Neutrons, along with protons, are particles that make up an atom's nucleus. By scattering neutrons off materials, they can be used to study a sample's structure and dynamics. The beauty of neutrons is that they can penetrate deep into a sample, revealing its bulk properties. X-rays, in contrast, can only probe the material's surface. As well as being electrically neutral, neutrons also have a magnetic moment, which means that they interact with magnetic materials to reveal details about their magnetic structure and spin. One area of neutron scattering that may not have been envisaged some 20 or 30 years ago is how they can be used to study star formation. Sabrina Gertner, a postdoc at the Open University in the UK, has been using the Nimrod diffractometer at ISIS to study how ice forms in the universe. What we're doing is uh, astrochemistry related, so uh, in the regions where you usually grow planets or stars, uh, you, you have lots of uh, dust and, uh, um, and gas, and uh, as it's very cold, uh, usually the, the gas uh, just freezes out onto the uh, onto the dust, and that means that you have uh, dust covered with uh, with ice. And the ice is, is very special ice because it's very very cold. So you uh, grow uh, not the ice that you know on Earth, the crystalline ice, but you grow amorphous ice. So it's very fluffy, it's very porous. It doesn't have a nice crystalline structure, but molecules just tend to stick in the position where they hit the surface when it's very very cold. And so what what we're doing here is uh, just trying to mimic these processes and grow ice under comparable conditions uh, to, to then in investigate uh, these ices. Neutrons allow Gertner and colleagues to see how the ice expands and how it rearranges its crystal structure as the temperature of the sample is changed. 
As water is made up of light elements, hydrogen and oxygen, X-rays would mostly scatter off oxygen, making it very hard to see where the hydrogen atoms are in the sample. Neutrons, on the other hand, scatter just as well off hydrogen, so the structure can be easily teased out. Gertner and co want to find out how the ice expands at low temperatures and how this affects the physics and chemistry of what happens when stars and planets form. A more traditional area of neutron scattering is studying magnetism and superconductivity. Chris Lester from the University of Bristol is using the WISH instrument at ISIS to look at the magnetic structure of a material known as strontium ruthenide. This compound is interesting because it exhibits metamagnetism in which the material experiences a dramatic increase in its magnetization when only a small change in an external magnetic field is applied. Physicists, including Lester, would like to understand the origin of this process. Yeah, so neutrons is kind of a unique, uh, a unique probe where it can look at sort of atomic structure and also magnetic structures simultaneously. And that's kind of, uh, neutrons have got a weak interaction with matter, which is good because you can, um, you can probe deeply into samples. But it's also bad because you need a lot of neutrons. So you need big facilities like this, uh, or nuclear reactors and things like that. Lester and colleagues put their sample in a magnetic field of up to 8 tesla to see how the magnetic properties change as the magnetic field increases. One aspect that appeals to Lester, and indeed to Gertner too, is the ability to be able to study small samples at ISIS. That's one of the cool things about ISIS, I think, you know, you have like this big facility with massive cranes and big blocks of concrete and stuff and then you know, the things that we actually do are very delicate and the samples are tiny and, uh, you know, you have like all different length scales involved, like from something the size of a crane to millimetres or micrograms sometimes. As well as focusing purely on academic users, many new instruments at the second target station at ISIS will concentrate on users from industry. Chris Frost outlines how neutrons can be used for industry including, for example, studying strain in train wheels. Neutrons can solve problems uh, in very scientific ways, but it also can solve some very near market problems. We've looked at train wheels, we looked at underwater pipes from the, the North Sea industry, we looked at welding, we looked at bolts in aircraft, we looked at all sorts of things. It's a very, very effective tool for looking at um, looking at in industrial materials and the way industrial materials. One instrument in particular that will focus on industry is Chip IR. Frost is instrument scientist for Chip IR, meaning that he looks after the running of the instrument as well as the users that come to do experiments on it. Chip IR's main aim is to examine the damage that can be done to materials by high energy neutrons and other particles created when cosmic rays interact with the Earth's atmosphere. These particles can damage chips and other electronic systems in aircraft and cars, not only by frying the electronics, but also by wiping a device's memory, not good if you're some 10,000 metres above ground. Scientists on Chip IR are putting actual electronic components into the neutron beamline 
to see how those neutrons affect its performance. We try and understand where the vulnerabilities of those systems are to enable industry to mitigate those problems. And the trouble with it is that uh, it, it can be quite costly. So you could mitigate the, the problem in all the system, but there's no point doing that if it all doesn't need it. So what you want to do is you want to find out and investigate exactly where the problem is, exactly what's going on, and then develop technologies or, or, or ways of dealing that, in that within your system. And it's cost effective as you can. Chip IR will be of particular interest to aerospace firms. The instrument can test components with a measuring time of just one hour, equivalent to exposing microchips to high-energy neutrons over hundreds of years of flying time in an aircraft. Frost outlines which other industries can test their components on chip IR. So people who build internet infrastructure, automotive, people who build uh, power systems because high voltage power devices can actually be susceptible to this. Um, quite a lot of the electronics and that's both people who are primary builders who actually build the devices as well as integrating them. So it's at the device level as well as the system level. Industry use of ISIS isn't new. ISIS opened the first purpose-built instrument for industry back in the mid-1990s. Engine, which was later upgraded to Engine X in 2003, measures the strain in the crystalline material giving information about the internal structure of an aeroplane wing, for example. During my trip to ISIS, I sat down with the facility's director, Robert McGreevy, who reiterated the role that industry now plays at the facility and how they are planning to build more instruments for industry users. We, you know, originally we did crystallography. Right? Then people started to realise that crystallography could be used for these engineering applications. And that was actually pioneered at the um, the Harwell Laboratory at the reactors there. Right. A guy called Mike Hutchins who um, pioneered that, and we built the, so the first purpose-built engineering instrument was again, built on Target Station One. It was called Engine. Then we upgraded that to Engine X. Right. Mm -hmm. um, now we're building IMAT as well. And I said we'd like to build another one. So this is a this is a growth area where you understand that. You know, in, in, in crystallography, for example, we have a suite of instruments and they have different performances for different applications. And now we're doing the same thing going towards that for engineering. We'd have a suite of instruments which had some overlap but also mm. gave you different things. The, the next one we would like to build, um, which we don't have any funding for yet, would be another engineering instrument. Um, because, I mean, you know, one of the directions that things are changing in is, is also more in the direction of in, you know, industrial engagement is increasing. We're looking for potentially getting industry to help us fund build it. Right. Um, I mean, industry probably wouldn't totally fund building it, but certainly to help us fund build it. Um, and we're also looking to potentially uh, pull in, we're, we're talking Open University, they're one of our sort of big users in this area, and they're interested in um, essentially, re they have particular um, facilities for stress measurement at the Open University, which they'd essentially like to relocate here. And so we, we, we build an instrument, if you like, in a building which also contained a number of other um, capabilities. So you've sort of got a, almost a drive-through thing where you go from one technique to another. And that would be, that will be, you know, again, 
very unique facility because you put all of those things together and industry can come to a sort of almost one-stop shop. ISIS isn't the only neutron source in the world, of course, and it is soon to have a major competitor in the form of the 1.8 billion euro European spallation source, which is currently being built in Lund, Sweden. The European spallation source will offer a much higher flux of neutrons than ISIS, meaning that even smaller samples can be studied. Yet senior officials at ISIS say that the Swedish facility won't divert attention away from ISIS, which will still be one of the world's leading neutron centres. As we near the end of the tour, Frost talks about what he sees as a strength of ISIS, and why it has not only been successful for the UK, but also a pioneering source worldwide. The instrument scientists who run instruments here often have their own science programme they are not people who serve the academic community, they are part of that academic mm. community. They're very strongly networked and very strongly collaboratively working with the academic community. And I again think that's one of the great strengths of ISIS, is that we don't, we don't, we don't run a service industry in a sense here. Right. What we run yeah. is a very strong scientific collaborative venture with you know, anyone who comes to see us. So we don't just stuff them on the instruments and tell them to get on with it. We, we sit down with them right from day one, understand what their problems, what their scientific problems are, and work with them uh, with the knowledge that we have to get those scientific problems solved. Mm -hmm. And again, I think that's a very, very powerful model for the way that actually it means that we can push forward the science, and it also means that we can push forward the instrumentation required for that science. I'm Michael Banks, reporting for Physics World. If you want to find out more about neutron science, check out our focus issue on the topic, available for free by downloading the Physics World app to your tablet or smartphone. See you next time. Physics World.